My Health Record is an online record of a person's medical information. All Australians will receive a My Health Record unless they opt out by the 31st of January 2019. There are some advantages to My Health Record, but there are also some risks. The risks are largely to do with privacy concerns and cyber security, and these risks may be concerning for many people, including transgender and gender diverse individuals. Welcome to Law for Community Workers On The Go, a series of podcasts designed specifically for community workers, health workers and anyone else who works to support people in their community. This series is brought to you by the Community Legal Education Team here at Legal Aid New South Wales and our aim is to help you help your clients. So tune in whenever you can, in the car, on the train, at the gym, cooking dinner, basically wherever you already listen to podcasts. So we hope you enjoy today's episode and that you learn something new and interesting. Hi, I'm Natalie. I'm from Legal Aid New South Wales and I'm joined today in this podcast by Vicky from the Inner City Legal Centre here in Sydney and also Emily and Chris from Denton's, a law firm that operate the trans and gender diverse legal service together with the Inner City Legal Centre. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording on today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay our respects to elders both past and present across Australia. The only people who can see your record is, is you, your doctor, any doctor who's treating you, or certain other people that you give consent to access. I want to start today by asking you all about your work. Uh, introduce yourselves, where you work, and what made you interested in this topic of my health record. I'm Vicky Harding. I'm Centre Director at Inner City Legal Centre. And um, we offer legal advice and casework for people living in Sydney who can't afford a lawyer, but we also run the Trans and Gender Diverse Legal Service along with our partners um, at Denton's. And to get an appointment with us, you just call us at the centre and um, we run that particular service every second Monday. So I guess what makes me interested in this topic is that a lot of trans and gender diverse people who I speak with just wanted answers and they couldn't find answers that were particular to their situation and I thought well we should be able to do something about this. So my name's Emily, uh, I'm a solicitor at Denton's and like um, Vicky said we um, have partnered with the ICLC to run the Trans and Gender Diverse Legal Service. So what made me interested in the My Health Record was when Vicky said to me hey do you know what would be really helpful is if we did a presentation on the My Health Record and until that point I had never even heard of the My Health Record system. Um, so I learned a lot and then went back and taught my family a lot along the way about the system. So my name is Chris, I'm also a solicitor at Denton's um, in Sydney. Um, my practice area is in intellectual property and technology. So a lot of the work I do on a day-to-day -day basis involves privacy and, and data protection um, for various businesses and organizations. So my interest in my health record comes from, from that perspective of, of privacy, which is and, and data protection, protecting against data breaches, that kind of thing. Um, and what information is out there, what personal information is, is out there on the internet accessible. And so that's where it comes from, my, my interest in it. Um, obviously, there's a personal interest as well in terms of thinking for myself about my own medical record but particularly to, to individuals who might have particular vulnerabilities such as transgender and gender diverse uh, people as well. So that interest is definitely related to, to what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, but a particular area of interest for me. So let's backtrack a bit and talk about what is my health record, how long it's been around, how did it start, what, it's, what is it for? 
Yeah, which is um, a great question because if you're like me, you will have no idea what the My Health Record is. Um, so what it is really is just a digital health record. It's it's just a digitally accessible folder, basically, that has all your medical files. So things like your blood tests, your x-rays, um, notes from your visits to the GP, um, any details about surgeries you've had. So that will all be contained in the one digital file. And it has been around for a while, contrary to what you might think, because it's only really been in the news recently. But it was established in 2012, and it, it's been under a few different names since that time. But when it first started, it was just an opt-in system. So not many people were involved, which is why we haven't heard about it until now, because it is going to become an opt-out system as of 31 January um, next year. So if you don't opt out by then, you will automatically get a record. And I think, Vicky, you mentioned before that there are certain groups of people who might be more vulnerable to having a My Health record. So what are the risks for that type of group? Why are there some people who might um, be more concerned about having a My Health record? Yeah, so there are definitely some risks to some vulnerable communities and, and what we're talking about in this in this podcast, I suppose, is really focusing on trans and gender diverse individuals. And there are some risks there in terms of people accessing your health record because the reality is if you are trans or gender diverse, you might have some sensitive gender history information that you don't want everyone to access. You might not want any of your practitioners to access it. You might only want some practitioners to access it. So so that could be that could be a problem and, and it could be a personal personal safety risk too um, in circumstances where, you know, depending on where you live and, and how conservative your, your area is, you might not want people knowing that th- those things about you. And I know there's been a lot of uh, maybe misconceptions in the community about who can access records. A friend of mine has opted out because she was concerned that the police might be able to see her, you know, records of medication and that kind of thing. So who really can access or not access my health record? Yeah, it's a great question and you're very right. There's been a lot of concern, not not only about police, but also, you know, can my insurance, can my private health insurer see my information? Can my employer see my information? Um, and the, the good thing is, no, they can't. The only people who can see your record is is you, your doctor, any any doctor who's treating you, or certain, certain other people that you give consent to access. So, for example, you can let your um, partner or your family have access to your record, or if you're a minor, your parents, if you're under 14, your parents will automatically kind of have access to your record to be able to view it. But no one else can see it, no police, no insurers, no employers, unless they have a court order. So really, that's no different from the current state of play where, you know, if a policeman or your employer wants to see your medical records, they can apply to a court to do that. Whether or not the court says yes is another question, but that means that really this system is no different from what is already happening. And you said when someone turns 14 they can have the choice to to allow their parents to see or or not see their records? Yeah, so previously it was the case that if you were under 18, your parents had access to your record and at at the age of 14 you had the choice to take control of your record, but they've... Parliament's recently passed some changes to the law just on Monday so that now once you're 14, you automatically have control of your record and your parents can't access it. You can choose to give your parents access if you would like, but once you hit 14, they're locked out. Goodbye, parents. So what's to stop parents forcing their children to give them access to their records? I guess one issue there is if you're aged 14 and you would like to have your own control of your system, but your parents are kind of pressuring you or forcing you to give them access. That's a hard question. From a legal perspective, obviously, the answer is a simple one that, no, your parents can't force you to do it legally. They can't force you. You should have access to um, 
you know, your your own medical record. Um, in practice, for a 14-year-old to stand up to their parents under immense pressure is a difficult situation to be in. And um, I would say that if you're in that situation as a 14-year-old, it's probably when you need to start looking at getting some support from community organisations like your community legal centres or legal aid um, to try to help you in that circumstance. In fact, for young trans and gender diverse people, it would be really worthwhile to um, connect with the Gender Centre in Sydney or 2010, um, particularly if you think where you live might be um, under threat. So we touched on some of the risks, I guess, being privacy risks, but do you want to outline, um, I guess, what are the main risks for someone if they have not opted out of having a My Health record? Yeah, so like you said, privacy is kind of the main one that everyone's thinking about. And privacy is really, A, um, who can access my record, and B, once they access it, what can they do with that information? So we've already kind of talked a little bit about really the only people who should be looking at your record are you, you know, your doctors and anyone who you choose to give access to. And they can only use that information, you know, as part of your medical treatment. So a doctor can't you know, take your information and then go and sell it to someone else, which is good to know. But there's still that risk that, for example, you know, someone might access it and, and use it in a, in a way that they shouldn't. Um, and really the only thing stopping them is the threat of the law. So obviously there's penalties under the Act if you do something you're not meant to, but that won't always be enough to stop crime and to stop unlawful actions as we know. Um, unfortunately, you know, the law is not um, the panacea to, to everything. And then the other main risk really is cybersecurity. So that's concerned with what it, what happens if someone hacks the whole system and steals my information and sells it on the black market and someone steals my identity and then someone's making fake insurance claims in my name. And that's all, all of that is the cybersecurity side of things. And the unfortunate news is that there's not really anything you can do to prevent that risk. The good news is that since 2012, the system hasn't had any um, cybersecurity breaches. So to date, it's holding up, but you know that is subject to the proviso that next year there's going to be a whole lot uh, more people on there. And so it might be a much more tempting option for people looking to hack systems. It is a real risk because we know that overseas there have been some hacking incidents of health records. Yeah, you're right. Um, just in the last kind of few years in the UK and the USA, we've seen um, a rise in health hacking. So, you know, hacking of health databases. Um, and really people are look do things like cash in prescriptions from other people, um, you know, make false insurance claims and things like that. So it's, it's a rising market, I suppose, in terms of, um, in terms of cyber security and hacking. Um, so it is certainly a real risk, yeah. So there are those risks, but there are also, as we've talked about, some benefits around having a My Health record. So maybe we can touch on what are the benefits and also how you can protect. If you choose to have a My Health record, there are quite a lot of steps and protections you can put in place. Yeah, so it's not all doom and gloom. Um, There are actually, you know, some benefits, which is why the government has done this in the first place. Um, And really, the benefits are kind of for people who um, don't tend to stay in the same place. If you're moving around a lot, um, if you have different medical practitioners, the advantage of the record is that um, the record can travel with you. um, And you don't have to go through the hassle of saying, oh, hey, you know, to the old GP clinic, can you please send my information to the new GP clinic? It's just all there automatically. Um, And it might be especially good for people with chronic health conditions who, you know, probably get tired of seeing new doctors all the time and reciting their entire medical history, every surgery they've had, all the medications they're on. That can be exhausting. um, And this kind of circumvents the need to go through that. It can also be really good, you know, in emergency situations, if 
something terrible happens, you're unconscious, you can't tell the doctors important information about you, like, you know, you might have a life-threatening allergy to a certain type of medication. And it, it also is just good for doctors who are, you know, keeping an eye out for certain symptoms and certain trends in, you know, your, your health and wellness. Um, and they, they might be able to pick up on things easier if they can have your whole record in front of them. And like you mentioned, there are also some ways to manage all of the bad things that we've been talking about. And Chris has some insights on that. Yeah. So along with some of the risks associated with privacy and, and cybersecurity of the My Health Record, there are certain steps that individuals can take to try and manage that risk. The first step is to actually monitor what access is, is being done, who is accessing and when your My Health Record is being accessed. So there's a log on the My Health Record uh, portal. You can see um, when and, and who is accessing um, your My Health Record. You can see when a new uh, healthcare provider is accessing a record. So if you go to a new GP, you'll be able to see that, yes, Dr. Smith accessed the record on the 17th of November. There it is. That's all correct. It's a good way to monitor um, if there's any you know, uh, surprising um, healthcare providers accessing your record. You can keep a track of that quite easily on the portal. Um, you can also set up notifications that anytime a new healthcare provider accesses your record, by email or SMS, as well as monitoring who and, and when that access is provided. You can also restrict access in a few different ways. There's a few different security mechanisms um, in place. Strictest one is called a record access code. Um, so you can set up a, a sort of a pin code or password, if you like, to the entire uh, My Health record. In this situation, um, any healthcare provider would not be able to access or um, upload content to the My Health record uh, unless you had previously provided them with that PIN code or that password. That's sort of the most secure um, system. There's also a, a um, more limited uh, security mechanism called a limited document access code. There's a separate password you can provide if you're concerned about particular documents or particular um, healthcare providers accessing certain documents or types of documents on your My Health record. There might be a situation which you have a couple of different doctors in particular thinking about um, trans and gender diverse people. If there's a, a healthcare provider which you receive hormone treatment and you don't necessarily want that information uh, being available uh, widely to all your healthcare providers, you can restrict access to certain documents related to that hormone treatment and then you just provide that password or, or PIN code relating to those documents to those providers which you want to have access to those documents. You can also nominate a representative, so a, um, a perhaps a partner or a family or friend. Um, if you nominate a representative, you can provide them with a um, access code as well, a, a password um, which they can um, use to, to access your My Health record as well. So some of the access controls Emily mentioned earlier about in the case of an emergency, that some of those access controls can be breached in the case of a serious threat um, to your life, health or safety. So if you've set up that most secure method of, of having a pass password around your entire My Health record, if in a situation, say you're unconscious in a hospital, um, you're not able to provide that access code to people, then they can breach that wall of security. If it reaches that level of a serious threat to your life, health or safety, that emergency access would only be for a temporary period of five days. And that access would be listed in your in your access log on your My Health Record portal. So you'd be able to see that that emergency access was provided. Um, there are certain other situations in which if it's directed by a court or otherwise authorised by a federal or state law, um, that access could be could be provided to your My Health Record. There are limitations on, on when law enforcement um, can access your My Health Record. So there's some concern about when police can access, as um, was mentioned earlier. The changes that were made just recently in December, early December, that means that the only way law enforcement can access it is with a court order. The only reason that they can have for accessing your My Health Record is to investigate insurance fraud rather than previously 
the legislation provided for a more general power to investigate or, or um, prevent any criminal offence in, in a broader sense. I know there were con- some concerns in the, in the trans and gender diverse community that potentially um, that might be a gateway with that broadly worded power that that um, that police uh, could potentially um, have access to health, health and record information because they were investigating some other unrelated criminal offence. And that's the way they could a backdoor in which they could get access to an entire health record um, system. Now, you can only get access to it if it's potential insurance fraud that's being investigated. So separately to accessing and, and controlling who can access your record, you can also control what content is uploaded to your My Health Record in the first place. Once your record exists and is created, you can select individual documents or types of documents and, and remove or hide them um, from being visible to um, any healthcare providers. There might be Medicare information that's automatically uploaded when you make a GP visit or when you have a hospital visit. You can remove that after it's entered. You can hide that. If you make a mistake or you want to make that visible again, you can also go ahead and do that. So you get the flexibility to choose which documents are visible to others and which documents aren't. You can also be more proactive and ask your doctor in the first place to not upload certain documents. So if you're aware that a particular GP visit or doctor visit is particularly sensitive and, and you're aware that you may not want other healthcare providers to um, have oversight of, of what's what their visit was about, um, you can order certain documents or tests or diagnostic results. You can uh, request your healthcare provider to not upload that to the My Health Record in the first place. So Chris, that could be to do with the hormone treatment you were talking about before or if people don't want mental health issues to be part of my health record they can ask their doctor not to upload that information that's correct yes exactly right if you know it's going to be a particularly sensitive document in the first place rather than after the fact having to remove it and being worried about um, did I remove all the documents or trying to search and and knowing what documents are there you can in the first place when you're making your visit you can actually request that that those documents relating to this visit you can ask them um, excuse me can any documents related to this not be uploaded to the my health record system and they won't be there in the first place and there's training for doctors around this presumably because there's a lot of work for them to know what to do and the codes and everything yeah, so the My Health Record system involves, it includes a bunch of training for doctors and GP practices and hospitals and everyone involved around what they need to do to protect people's privacy and, and how they obviously operate the systems. So they should be fully equipped to help step you through things if you've got questions. And everyone definitely is aware of their privacy obligations, which is a big positive. And we had some interesting hypotheticals, I guess, in the, the webinar that we did on this same topic around if a young person... A, 16 year old they have a parent who works in the in a hospital for example and they don't want that parent to to be able to see their records how would that situation play out like in terms of what access might that parent have just by working in the hospital and what can the young person do yeah, so I, I think one of the things that you've got to realise when you're thinking about this is that it's not just individual doctors who have access to the My Health Record system. The way it works is that the whole hospital will have a kind of IT infrastructure and a login for the, the system. Um, so it means that people who are not necessarily your doctor, so people like nurses and support staff like secretaries, will also be able to see what's on the My Health Record system. So that is a real problem. People who are in that unfortunate situation of having family or friends who work in healthcare that they, you know, don't necessarily want to know the intimate details of their personal life. And that's the kind of case where you would look at implementing some of the strategies Chris talked about in terms of putting codes on your documents to prevent certain people seeing seeing everything. 
I mean, in that situation, the a nurse who's not treating the person shouldn't be accessing that record. No, that's right. That's right. So that's that's the important thing to keep in mind is that uh, even though the system will be accessible by people through the login legally, you can't access the file unless you are personally involved in the treatment of that person. So a nurse could access it if they're your nurse, if they're your assigned nurse, or for example, a secretary secretary could access it if they are doing your filing, you know, your paperwork. But you're, you're absolutely right is that a nurse or, or anyone else um, who's not actively treating you should not be accessing your record. So talking more about this opting out process, so there's a particular date that people must opt out before, is that right? Yes, that's right. So the 31st of January 2019, if you don't take action to opt out prior to that date and you don't already have a My Health record, then after that date, a My Health record will be created um, in your name and there'll be information automatically uploaded from your Medicare card information from the previous uh, two years. And then from that date forward, any new visits or interactions you have with healthcare providers, any of the types of information we've been talking about from that date forward um, will be automatically uploaded to the system, to the My Health record from the 31st of January onwards. Even after that date, people can choose to put in those codes or that's right yes yes yeah. so you, you I mean you someone could go ahead now and create a my health record from from today and in fact I think 6.3 million Australians currently have my health records but that number will obviously grow immensely after 31st of January and then from that date or prior to that date you could set up these security mechanisms we're talking about you can protect you can change them um, as time goes by as you might like to do but you'll be able to protect access for certain documents or or, um, or the whole record itself with password protection it's all pretty tricky and requires a bit of IT knowledge just to log into to my and to sort all this out. So if people have an intellectual disability, for example, or just are not IT literate, what can they do or where can they go for help? Yes, yeah, so the My Health Record website has a lot of information. There's also um, phone numbers on there. You can, there's a hotline, you can contact them yourself. They're like any other government service in the sense that they should be able to assist people with different language abilities, um, different languages themselves, non-English backgrounds and different intellectual intellectual disabilities. Um, there are also assistance that community legal centres like the ICLC can offer. And the ICLC, I know, has had people already asking them questions and they've been able to walk people through different steps of creating or, or opting out and how do I do that um, and, and helping them with those inquiries. So there'll be a um, community legal centre near to where you live and there'll be also information online. And the My Health Record has a support centre that can assist you with any queries you might have. And also if you need an interpreter or, or, or if you have an intellectual disability, it's also worth noting that if you currently are a guardian, a legal guardian of someone, then you'll have the ability to control and, and make decisions on behalf of the person in the same way that you'd be able to make decisions on, on their behalf already in relation to their health. If that's already a situation, that'll continue being a situation in regards to my health record. This podcast is for community workers or people who are working in the community to support people. What would be the key messages that they can do to help people who have concerns about my health record. If a client comes to them and says, what do I do before 31 January? I don't really understand about this. What would you suggest they do? Um, I think the important message is just make sure that you're across the issues, which you know you already should be um, after having listened to this podcast. <laughs> but so if you if you are aware of the risks and you're aware of the you know strategies people can put in place to minimise those risks, you're in the perfect position to be able to help guide those people through the decision making process of 
evaluating what risks are there to me and what are the benefits to me. The reality is it isn't all bad. And for some people, the My Health Record system will be a really positive thing. So it's going to have to be up to every individual to decide the risks against the benefit, you know, which one outweighs the other and whether they should have the record or opt out. So just being informed enough about the system and also having the contacts to be able to refer people out when you need to and just knowing that options like Legal Aid and the the CLCs are out there um, if you need extra support. And some particular issues that the inner city legal service might deal with are things like if people might be transitioning and they're not sure which gender. Look, we've been running the trans and gender diverse legal service now for only a few months, but um, probably a lot of the queries we're getting is about changing um, details on your ID. So we're really happy to sit with people to work that out. Um, but yes, there have been some questions around my health record um, for right across the community, people who don't understand it and want help and are having trouble working their way through the website. I mean, I think that is a particular concern. It is quite, you know, it can be quite tricky. Basically, any legal questions. So we're very local, we're in a city, but there are legal centres all over Australia. So basically find out who your closest legal centre is. But if you need particular advice around trans and gender diverse um, issues, then you can give us a call and our phone number is 029-332-1966 and we'll take you through some intake questions and work out how we can best assist you. If somebody has not opted out or they're listening to this podcast after the 31st of January 2019 and they haven't opted out, so you have a My Health record and they're worried about the the second that we've talked about the options you have to limit access, but if they say, no, I, I didn't opt out, what do I do now? Am I stuck with it? What can people do? So at any moment, if you have a My Health Record created, whether you create it now prior to 31st of January or, or you have one automatically created for you after the 31st of January 2019, you can cancel your My Health Record and it will be permanently deleted. It was previously the case prior to some recent changes in legislation that it would not would not have been permanently deleted and would have been retained for 30 years after your death, but now it will be permanently deleted, the record will be, and you can then at some point later, if you then decide oh, actually, I would like the My Health Record again, you can uh, register for a new one and activate a new one. It will then, because your record was deleted, it will not have much of the information that was previously on it. Um, it will retrieve information from Medicare, just like a new My Health Record would do. And from that point forward, any new healthcare provider visits you make um, will be recorded on that, that My Health Record. But you can cancel that. You can cancel at any time and it will be permanently deleted. And what about the opposite situation I suppose where somebody has opted out but then they develop a chronic health condition or they move and they think actually I've changed my mind. The good news is if you have opted out and then you change your mind um, you can opt back in at any time and have a record created you're more than welcome to join the system at any point. The other issue that I've heard is that there's risks if you're in like a domestic violence situation and two parents automatically might have access to a record if the children are under 14, I guess. Yeah, so there are a lot of risks in family violence circumstances. The good news is that the laws introduced just this week have made some changes so that now um, parents do not automatically have access to the records of children under 18 if either they are only allowed to visit their children under supervision. So if there's a supervised visitation order in place, that parent doesn't have access to the My Health record. 
or just more generally, if there are concerns for the life, health or safety of that child in the parents, in, in relation to that parent having access, they don't have access. Um, so they've really strengthened those laws to protect children who, who might have some, some problems with their parents. And the other such situation in which you can have family violence concerns is if um, you have given your partner access to your record, the relationship has deteriorated and, and either you've broken up or you're not broken up, but they're, you know, that you're in a family violence situation. And you can, of course, withdraw that access at any time. You can change the codes and, and prevent them from accessing the record. But you just have to keep in mind, if you did give them access a long, long time ago, and you've almost forgotten it, you will need to actively take it back. It doesn't expire or anything like that. So when you give out access, you know, just keep in the back of the mind that one day you might have to take that back. So if someone is concerned, if they don't have actual family law orders saying that it's supervised visit but they have serious concerns is the message just to call my health record or community yes. go to a dv service and explain yeah a hundred percent i think the the problem with these laws is that it's so new and no one's used them yet so we don't quite know how it's going to play out and how it's going to work but if you are in that circumstance where you don't have anything formal you know, in writing in relation to your situation, but you have some real concerns, I would recommend you as a first, at the first instance to ring up the hotline, um, explain the situation, see if they can do anything. And if they need further proof, then definitely your best resort is, is to go to a DV service or, um, you know, a CLC and get some um, advice. So that's the My Health Record helpline. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And I think yeah. that number is 1-800-723-471. So thank you so much to Emily and Chris for sharing your expertise today with us and to Vicky from Inner City Legal Centre. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. We think this is information that is relevant to all Australians, so why not tell everyone at your work or even play a bit at your next team meeting? Help more Australians make informed choices. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts from so you know when our latest episodes are released. If you have other topics you want to know more about, uh, please just send us an email and we'll be in touch. Make sure to subscribe to our e-alerts as well. They let you know about free webinars and workshops, as well as any changes to the law that might be relevant to your work as a community or health worker. And you can subscribe to that by following the links in the show notes. So until next time, thanks again from the CLE branch here at Legal Aid New South Wales.